0: What are you doing here? It's challenge there. You know we've influenced nearly every facet of white America. From our music, to our style of dress, walk, talk, dress, mannerisms. We enrich your very
1: existence.
0: You should say, thank you, man.
1: Welcome to the Black Blue Podcast with Tariq Alamine. This is the space that we talk about education, politics, art, religion, culture, you name it, and we put blackness at the center of our discussions. Uh, it is February 2019, Black History Month. That is a great omen if you're into that kind of thing uh, Because this is the Black Book Podcast, Black History Month Sounds really good, really easy to me Uh, I am really excited, elated even, to have joining me on the line uh, A sister that I've had the pleasure of talking to for about the past year now About just a a myriad of of books and genres, uh, different authors Uh, We've had some really great discussions and I am just really happy to have her joining me on the Black Blue Podcast. Please welcome Leila Abdullah Poulos to the BGP. Assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum. Now, of course, um, you are a whole lot more prior to, uh, in addition to um, being an author, right? You, you founded NBA uh, Muslims. Um, you're uh an adjunct uh professor, you're a literary critic, uh and you you keep up a lot of a lot of um a lot of smoke on social media as well.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a trainer. I'm also a, a trainer uh for Muslim anti racism collaborative. That's some work I'm very, very proud of and uh the the organization is celebrating it's fifth year alhamdulillah. all right
1: alhamdulillah <laughs> those those are some of my favorite people um uh, Marga- yes. Marguerite, and amira um yes but and and it's funny because all of these different um areas that you exist in that the, these roles that you embody uh i think that there are elements of all those that, that have found their way into this into this book Uh, which you have entitled, uh, My Way to You, which I absolutely loved. And the only thing that I was really upset about was that I didn't have like a block of time to just sit and with nobody bothering me and just finish it from beginning to end. But I had to read it, you know, in like in like chunks. But I mean, it's like when I put it down, I couldn't wait to pick it back up. And so I was just I celebrated when I finished it. I was like, oh, yes, yes. You know, (laughs) Uh, but Let's talk about this book, which covers so much uh, and just off the bat, right, if anybody's seen the cover and I'm going to just give you the plug right now and we'll do it again later on. You go to Amazon uh, and get it. And it's under uh, written under Lyndell Williams. Yeah. And it's um, my way to you. And you can get a Kindle as well as a paperback and the cover tells you from the very beginning what you're about to get into and for for, (laughs) right for fellas this might be a little uh this might be a little you might feel like you're going into uncharted territory right even though most guys will sit up with their uh with their spouses um whatever and maybe by themselves watch a romantic comedy or romance even but may not think that you know think to pick up a book that says that this is romance is center to this book um. So, but but it's a great read. Don't let that push you away. Um Embrace it. The cover
2: is it. actually the cover is actually very very purposeful.
1: Yes, and please talk I about it.
2: <laughs> uh, I the two main characters, okay, mm-hmm. that are, are Simon Young and Regina Cat. Yeah. And Simon is Asian American. Regina is African American. And they face. They have to. Face layers of social uh, bias and and bigotry about the two of them getting together, okay. And throughout the whole novel, one of the main thing main things that you see is that the thing they want to do the most is to shut the world out,
3: right?
2: To shut the world out and just be and just be with each other. And so this great cover by cover designer Taria Reed. Mm-hmm. shows that. It shows them doing what they want to do the most and they don't get to do, and that is to be able to shut out the world and just exist mm-hmm. because of everything else that goes on in their lives and in the book. It's very, very hard for them to just do that. And that's what happens with a lot of interracial couples because I know that there's this this, this usual tendency at, uh, to kind of think of, interracial couples as the solution mm. to things like racism and discrimination and bigotry, and that somehow they've overcome all of that. No, it still, it still saturates their lives and it comes into their lives. And when you have two people of color, mm-hmm. Simon being Asian American and Regina being African American, there is an added layer to it, and that is that now you have two people that – have to experience exterior uh, discrimination and bias Mm -hmm. look at how the persons they love experience it and then experience it as a couple as well and so it's not that interracial couples are the solution to racism and 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 discrimination It's that they have to navigate it too Mm -hmm. and you see that in the book
1: yeah Yeah. You know, it's funny um, just mentioned that one of the things that I I walked away with from the book was just how much public perception uh, or public expectations, uh, how heavy that can weigh on people, Um, in particular with Regina. Uh, But could you first kind of talk about why that's that's really one of the battles that she had to deal with? Um, Because there's the. Whether it's said or not, and some have said it, you know, that, you know, you can't be pro-black or pro-justice and not be with mm-hmm. another black person. Uh, could you talk mm-hmm. a bit about what, how, how her situation um, was really, you know, uh, how that meant so much to her own situation uh, as a character?
2: Well, Regina, the character is a pro-black blogger and a an activist as well. She volunteers for her brother Marcus's community uh, center. So she's involved with community organization, and she's a very, very popular pro-black blogger. And so she frequently discusses on her blog systemic racism, bias, and intersections of uh, uh, misogynoir, which is misogyny against black women and things like that. And now she becomes involved with someone that's outside of all of that okay and there is black women in general have to always face a lot of a lot of social targeting by various other social groups i'm going to center it to black men in particular Mm -hmm. because they're 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 socially they're socially targeted by white women they're socially targeted by white men by non-black people of color and but with black men there's this duality that exists and that is that there's this there, there's this aversion to black women that exist among black men where they socially castigate them and call them too hard, uh, masculine, and all of that. And at the same time, black women as the mothers of the nation, the mothers of blackness, are expected to only want black men, okay? It's mm-hmm. something that is, is it's changing, okay, but it's something that's been very, very stagnant in the society is this expectation, like non-black men are not put on black women's radars as much and are not seen as viable options for relationships. And so when they go outside of that and they decide to explore that, they sometimes uh, uh, encounter aggression, especially when they're in the pro-vac sphere. There seems to be this all-of-nothing approach where it's like you somehow lose your blackness and you're not as, as a subjected to racism and everything like that because you've gotten involved with someone outside of your race nothing could be further from the truth mm-hmm. but it's definitely seen like as that so she is worried about losing her street cred right okay because of conversations and you know you have uh, uh, ex- some extreme uh, 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 black social spheres, we will call her a traitor to her race and everything like that and this stuff that was said to me and it's and and said to other black women who ex, who, who get involved in, in relationships outside their race i've gotten to the point where i dare somebody so i just sit back and i wait i will i <laughs>
1: wish <laughs> so i wish you, I I wish you would
2: <laughs> i wish you would i wish you would like how dare you but that's something that she has to worry about she has definitely more at stake than Simon does. Mm. And uh, through the book, Simon has to kind of watch it, okay? He is aware of it because of his relationship with her brother, Mm -hmm. but he is even more helpless than the one in the relationship with her brother because this is someone that he has fallen in love with, and he has to see her go through certain things, and there's really nothing he can do. Mm -hmm. there's really nothing he can do. This is black folk. Right, (laughs) right. Just got
1: to sit back and watch.
2: (laughs) You got to kind of sit back and watch and be supportive of that person. And that's what he tries to do. And hence the cover, Mm -hmm. because that's all he wants to do, is that he wants his Gina. He wants to protect her and keep her away from the harms of the world, Mm -hmm. okay, which a lot of men who are in love with their women want to do the most, and so he has to kind of figure out how to do that, okay, Mm. because he's unbothered by uh, any uh, people in his social group kind of being upset with him with a black woman. He does not care. (laughs) He doesn't care, but she has to go through some real stuff. He's more worried about Marcus, her brother, and how he's going to react when he finds out about the two of them. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but you know what? Now, there there is a point and I want to be really careful not to give away any um, uh, to give any spoilers away. But would you say that there is a point where he recognizes that he had a certain hesitancy to share um, that relationship? And maybe, you know, he was fine in the workplace. But when it came to his own family, um, mm-hmm. right, when it came to his mother, that okay. that was maybe the, that was that area for him where there was some, some hesitancy for him. Yeah. What, what do you, what do you say to that?
2: I think that his hesitancy was male. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, a lot of times, um, men sit tend to want to sit and wait out and see how things are going mm-hmm. before involving, uh, mom. And also he knows his mother. He knows that his mother is going to have a problem with his relationship. It's not the reason why people may think. Right. But he already knows that his mother's going to have a problem with who Regina is. Mhm. And so he is hesitant about telling her directly because first of all he's a man and men do not tend to just like throw every girlfriend in front of their mother. Mhm. And he also knows that because of who Regina is, there's going to be some friction and there's going to be an issue anyway. And so he really wanted, he really, and he has bigger fish to fry. Yeah. Because Marcus is going to kill him.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And had it it not been for the fact that these were two extremely close friends, you know, like brothers, um, he may not have had that introduction uh, himself either.
2: Into into blackness.
1: No. Into into uh regina's life right into her into her family life right uh that's that's not a scene that we got to see because of the because of the introduction was based on this marcus being a common denominator right yes but,
2: marcus was a common denominator so everyone knew simon through marcus right that's how they knew that's how they knew simon his parents uh his wife everyone just knew simon through marcus simon was marcus's college roommate simon was marcus's homeboy you know,
3: yeah,
2: and so while they kept while they 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 struggle to keep the world out, it also includes their brother her brother finding out because marcus is has was brought up with very specific values, mm-hmm. okay as an african American man, and that is protect the women in your life. that's what you have to do
3: right. you
2: have to protect the women in your life and make them happy and he's her older brother. So he is always on Big Brother in Big Brother mode when it comes to Regina. And you see it when they interact with each other as opposed to when they're interacting with Simon mm-hmm. or even interacting with people outside, okay, because they worked, because she volunteers at his center. You get to see, like, what happens, Marcus as a professional, and then when Regina comes on the scene, when Baby Sister comes on the scene, how his attitude changes. And how protective he gets, and how she kind of needles him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, like your kid sisters.
3: Yeah. You
2: know, as 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 respected and notable a figure as you are. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, if your kid sisters come on to the see, they're gonna come and be like, yeah.
1: They clowning you. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and, you know, and frustrating you and everything like that. You don't scare them. Right.
1: <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Yeah, they absolutely well, don't except, care what the world thinks.
2: <laughs> they don't care what the world thinks, but Regina, except that they do love and respect you, and sure. that's why Regina doesn't want Marcus to find out because she knows how he is. She knows how protective he is, and he she knows how uh, uh, fragile the relationship with him and with her and Simon can be if Marcus kind of sets his foot down. And Mm -hmm. then, listen, you're not supposed to be messing with my baby sister. You're my best friend. You're not supposed to be messing with my baby sister. You got to break this up. I'm not dealing with this. Mm -hmm. I'm not dealing with this. Because they both love and respect him. He knows it. Marcus knows it. They both love and respect him that much that it would definitely affect the relationship. So they're both kind of like, you know what? Let's just see where this goes and let's keep this from Marcus and the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. But that never lasts. Yeah. That never lasts. When the relationship gets deeper and deeper, that never lasts.
1: There's a tipping point. The world
2: is going to find out. There's always a tipping point, and the world's going to find out, and people are going to respond. Now, Regina has been encapsulated or secured in her blackness. Mm -hmm. Not that she hasn't experienced racism and discrimination, but the world, her black world that she's in is something where it doesn't happen in there. So she has like this cocoon where she can go in, the social cocoon where she can go in. So her parents are black professionals, her brother, her sister-in-law, like all you have these people of intellect and, and social accomplishment, including her. Mm-hmm. And so you have this positive blackness that she is surrounded by. So everything else is kind of really on the outside. That's why class,
1: right? class is definitely, it was one of the things that I I picked up immediately on that was a real, um, it was a constant presence, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in, in the story uh, is, how, is how blackness, is how uh, identity and resistance, all those things are impacted uh, by class, right? It's a completely mm-hmm. different story Uh, To hear, uh, to to have these characters not as socially accomplished, not as um, uh, educationally, um, you know, accomplished uh, or financially. Right. It's a much different. It's a much different story. So um, I appreciated that, uh, you know, that kind of nuance uh, being present there. But let me ask you this, because there's there's so much there's so much just wonderful uh, commentary, uh, social commentary that you drop in this and there's this one really it's just, it's so short like you know like if it was if you're watching a movie and you turned away you know you would have missed it right and mm-hmm. it's this one little piece where I just I hear your voice really loudly and <laughs> that is where um I think it's uh uh Regina walks in and she's looking at uh I can't remember where she's at if she's in Marcus's office or something like that but she sees there's a painting oh. <laughs> and it's got uh, Bob Marley and um, I can't remember who else, but I remember Bob Marley. And
2: Malcolm X, Martin yeah. Luther King, Bob Marley, all black men. It's yes. all like black black men in resistance. There's no Fannie Lou Hamer, Angela Davis, or anything like that, you know? And she sees that and she notes that. Uh, yeah. that, <laughs> there, that black resistance, despite the... The contribution of, of black women and the, the, the reality that any social resistance movement, it's probably started by black, by black women, but it definitely does not have any sustainability without black women. Sure. But despite all of that, on the surface, it's very androcentric. It always centers black men. So it's even the civil rights movement, Martin Luther King, they push black women into the background. Mm-hmm. So, and, and started putting Martin Luther King up front and center. When you think about uh, the black Muslim movement in the nation of Islam, never, never wouldn't have gotten anywhere without Sister Clara Muhammad Absolutely. and Muslim women. So mm-hmm. it's like, despite all of that, it's always that. What do you always see? You see the of Muhammad, you see Malcolm X, mm-hmm. okay? So Louis Farrakhan. So it's like, uh, you, the, the facade is always centering black men. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's another it's another layer of bias that Black women have to deal with inside of Black Black resistance movement. So she is this very popular uh, blogger. Her brother's in social justice as well. He decided to to go directly into community organizing, and but it's like on the facade it's always going to be male centered. And so what do you do? What do you, she can she just like I'm gonna leave it alone today.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: And just keep pushing. You got to just keep pushing and keep doing the, the work that you're doing. And that's what, that's what their parents taught them. And so it's like I didn't want it to be where uh. in a lot of romance, there's a tendency to really kind of center life on people with a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. So rich people. So, you know, and Not um, a care in I world. don't want to...
3: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So I just didn't really want to do that. So, these are really middle, upper middle class people, okay, and, and living their lives and, and, and doing the work that they do, and they have to bump into different echelons of society. So, Simon, he's starting out with this huge law firm, okay, so he has to end up in spheres with some real racist people in, <laughs> in these spheres, and he doesn't want Regina in that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to he, he wants to protect Regina from it as well, but it's something where it's like now she has to navigate through that part of his life too. And so he has to see what she experiences when she's in those in that circle. Because me, you're a black woman everywhere you go.
1: let, let me <laughs> let me yeah, absolutely, let me say this about the, the, that racism, right? Because racism pre- presents itself you know in different ways. Uh, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's the uh, farthing at the mouth. Um, you know, crazy lynch mob, you know, type of racism, uh, that violent type of racism, and other times it's that really, um, I don't want to say subtle, right? But it is, it is much more. Uh, it, it engages blackness as a curiosity. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is mm-hmm. an ex- exoticism, uh, that is mm-hmm. placed on blackness, and that's, you know, that felt like more of the racism. Uh, that we were seeing in that professional, uh, you know, in that mm-hmm. professional atmosphere in the corporate world, which, you know, which, which a lot of folks, you know, can attest to. If, if you worked in those spaces, you know how, you know, it's, you know, it, it's in the, you know, the phrase, the phrases that people may use or just the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it, it comes down to, you know, it's not microaggressions necessarily, but it, it certainly is apparent, but it, it, there is a slight difference in it, and but it's it's just as harmful uh, as, as the other kind.
2: Well, there, there, there are levels to how people uh, uh, exhibit their bias, mm-hmm. okay? I mean, we're all members of this racial race-based society, and we've all been indoctrinated into certain messaging. We've learned the same thing, and we've learned based on our skin color, okay, based on our ethnicities. Uh, where we're placed in this, this this spectrum of race, where at either end is whiteness and blackness. People are kind of in the middle. Everyone kind of finds their places in the middle. And uh, that is something that people have to navigate through every single day of their lives. Now, when you're a black person, a dark-skinned person, uh, uh, a person of color, Okay. Mm-hmm. How how it presents itself to you is always a heck of a lot more frequent than on the other extreme of whiteness was just like you don't have to worry about it at all because yours is the privileged tone. Okay. And so a lot of times that's where it actually comes from as opposed to being subjected to it.
3: Right.
2: And so the you have now you have two people of color, okay? Simon who is a light a lighter Asian not a past not a white agent, but you know he's light tan, mm-hmm. and Regina, who is dark brown, she's obviously a black woman, and so they have to go through that, and each one of them has to is subjected to different forms of implicit bias. Mm-hmm. So, like for instance, when in the beginning of the book, what happens to Simon when he's at his office? You know, one of his white coworkers comes in, and is like, "Oh, uh, oh Simon. I need, yeah." Yeah, Simon. Oh, I need, I need you. to be A translator, uh, v- Vince. 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 When Vince yeah. comes in,
3: mm-hmm.
2: he is like, "Oh, I need you to translate. I got these. I got uh, this Asian couple, and I need you to translate." And Simon's <laughs> like, "Well, where are they from?" And he says, "China." It's like I'm Korean. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what Big is it? there? aren't they the same thing? <laughs> so it's like those type of things that you experience, and you end up learning as as, as an interracial couple, or, or in in any kind of interracial relationship where you're actually looking at the other person's social group to form some kind of appreciation for it, how does it, it presents themselves? Because it's not a blanket thing. It's there's a spectrum, and you deal with things different ways. I mean, he, Vince said some say, said said Vince is a perfect example. Of 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 microaggression being inflicted on Simon and Regina in two different ways. Okay, mm-hmm. just by listening to what he says, <laughs> yeah. just by listening to what he says alone, uh, what happens? I also, you know, we have um, Ellie, who plays a very very small part, Regina's friend. He's mm-hmm. a white man, okay, and he married. He fell in love with and married a black woman, and so Regina tells Simon his story of how uh racism against his wife affected him as a white man, and how he what he what it is he had to go through uh in order to be with the woman that he loved, which is very different from what Simon and Regina had to go through because it's it's not falling in love with someone outside of your race is not a solution it's just that now you both have to kind of navigate things there's there are much more layers to it. you don't get to necessarily you don't get to insulate anybody. Simon can't insulate uh uh Regina from racism. He experiences it himself. Yep. Regina can't insulate si- Simon from racism. She experiences it herself and then as a couple they experience it and their children are going to experience it. So it's like they have to learn how to navigate through all of that, you know, and it becomes very it becomes very very complex and I purposely wanted to do that and i wanted to do an asian man and uh black woman for that reason.
1: So you yeah, you just beat me right to that next question was the significance of those two uh of those two uh identities, a black woman and asian man. Um why why is that really significant to see these two uh folks going through uh everything that they go through, you know, to try and have a relationship to shut the world out. Um mm-hmm. and to and to find their own own way.
2: Well, there are uh, a couple of reasons why I did this. Well, first of all, there is there have been studies done and there's a little bit more nuance to the studies, but in general, what's become a popular opinion that there have been studies done on dating websites and they looked at uh, what what uh, what people were preferred based on race. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so at the top Are black men, or white men, then black men, and then like Arab men that are non passing white, Latino men, and and, and at the bottom are Asian men. Okay? When it comes to the women, at the top are white women, uh, uh, passing white Arab women, Middle Eastern women, Latino women, Asian women, black women. So you have these two social, these two uh, uh, racial groups that are at the bottom based on gender. So black women and Asian men, mm. all right? And, you know, even though there's more nuance to that study, because when, uh, when you look deeper into the study, black women are at the bottom of being chosen, but when they're chosen, they're chosen more often by non-black men than they are by black men. Interesting. Okay, so white men, Asian men, Latino men, they're choosing black women. And there's this growing uh, 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 culture of Asian men and black women, or black women and Asian men, whichever one you want to use, that kind of uh, uh, where these two social groups are exploring uh, each other. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, you can see, if you just look up BWAM or AMBW on Instagram or Facebook or anything like that, you'll see... Uh, all kinds of groups and everything like that based on that. Uh where that's what the that the relationship with Asian men and black women. There are a lot of popular YouTubers who are Asian men and black women. And in the romance genre in particular, Asian men and black women is becoming huge. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like really, really huge. And there are are entire publications where that's what they focus on is publishing romance novels of uh, uh, centering Asian men and black women in particular. And and the interracial romance subgenre is growing anyway. Mm -hmm. But Asian men and black women, it's it's really, really expanding more and more. I tend to, uh, in my novels, I focus on Asian American men as opposed to uh, Asian immigrants or or black women going into Asia, okay? I just feel like I do not want to navigate that culture. I don't know enough about it and I don't want to step on any toes or anything like that. I just recently wrote a short story centering two Japanese men, and I felt all kinds of strange, but I got a lot of uh, 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 advice and everything like that. I didn't just put it out there. Right. So Simon is an Asian-American man, so he definitely has his Asianness, but he's an American man. And so I you really came kind of down on that commonality of American maleness.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And and touched on some of the things that he experiences as an Asian American man, but I didn't want to go too deep. I'm not Asian American. I don't want to tell anybody's story when it's not, when it's not my story. That's why you see that it's really centered on, on the things that Regina goes through Mm -hmm. and Simon kind of responds and reacts to that. So the microaggressions that Simon experiences are few, Mm -hmm. but, but commonly known. And, uh, it's really about him and her discussing what is happening to them as a couple. Mm. That, like that. And so,
1: like, so yeah, that that is a uh, um that, well that's pretty doggone fascinating. Um, I'm not actually I'm not that I'm not that surprised to hear that that would be the results of uh you know, of that kind of a survey um, just mm-hmm. because of the you know, there's there's just this Inherited uh, bias uh, that you know that exists, you know for uh, you know around around blackness, uh, and it's not something I, I think that people even really are aware of um, uh, all the time. So I think to hear something like that, it certainly it, it gives you pause. It gives you reason to, to stop and think. Uh, but l- let me ask let me ask this as a Muslim author, uh, because this is a romance novel, how mm-hmm. important how important was it for you and I, and I, I think that uh the way that romance was uh the, the way that it was written it was it was done in a way that it was um you know it it, it, it was real but it was uh, I, I don't want to use the use the uh i feel i feel like it's almost like a hackneyed you know like say it was very tasteful right but um how yeah. important <laughs> How important was it for you as a Muslim author to make sure that in writing a romance that you also uh, represented that those moments of intimacy uh, in there? And did you feel did you feel like you were do you feel like you're sort of trailblazing in a way? Because I'm not, you know, as a person who doesn't read a ton of romances, like really my first one, uh, to be quite honest. Um, But so I I don't know the the, the landscape, but is it something that you felt like you were. You know, kind of trailblazing in, and did you feel a, a certain responsibility to make sure that that intimacy was uh, really uh, uh, presented?
2: I'm far from a trailblazer. <laughs> no, <laughs> see, I'm, I'm
1: way in the back. I'm way um, in the back
2: <laughs> because my gra- my graduate studies actually focused on uh, Black Muslim romance authorship. Okay, you know, they're out there. So we did one. Uh uh we did one book, uh uh Nachi Jackson's book. Uh there's Papasia Fazar who uh is um uh, uh writes erotic Muslim romance. Okay. There is Zara J, who started off in urban fiction and she's written Muslim romances as well. Okay. So there are Muslim romance authors and I'm I'm gonna stick with them because they're they are they are not authors who happen to write a romance they actually purposefully wrote romances right and so they're there i um i think that i for, like for example faith kept herself uh, uh that's her pen name and she doesn't really reveal her 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 other her name mm-hmm. and she kept herself uh she kept her face away from her work for a long time i, I think in the last year she spent put her face to her work. I think that's one of the things that I do up front Mm
3: -hmm.
2: is that I'm a Muslim author. I'm writing this romance. I'm not writing exclusively Muslim romance, although the Muslim romances that I write, uh, they're just really the crux of my work. And I've, I've enjoyed writing certain aspects of them only because as a Muslim, Mm -hmm. they spoke to me and my faith in certain ways. And so uh, readers will see that. I took actually took more liberty mm-hmm. with the Muslim romances when it comes to se- sensual scenes mm-hmm. uh, than I did with My Way to You. Okay. And uh, I think that they're critical though because even like we said, it's real life.
3: Right.
2: I write romances that show how life affects the way you love each other mm-hmm. and how it can jeopardize the way you love each other. And uh, the ways that sexuality can feed into uh, a, a romance blossoming or love blossoming, and in some ways it could be, there could be a hindrance, and there needs to be discussions about that as well. So things that happen between Simon and Regina, incidentally, mm-hmm. okay, it's not all perfect for them. Right. and there's reasons why and so what are they do what do they do during that time and how do they navigate through that so that's something that I felt was very very important um I don't write sensual scenes just to be writing sensual scenes
3: mm-hmm.
2: the, I can write a romance without sensual scenes mm-hmm. there are plenty of authors that do it and there are most Muslim authors don't do it okay Patricia Fazar was kind of the first one to kind of say like you know I'm gonna write it this way here in the United States yeah, Not talking about elsewhere. And so she's kind of the one that's like, no, I'm going to write this, and this is why I'm going to write. <laughs> and, and I love her for it. You know? <laughs> and so uh, I, she actually, uh, reading her work, actually gave me, empowered me. So you know what? Yes, this is very, very important. Why aren't more Muslim romance authors? Why are we tending to shy away from this, considering how important it is, especially in the culture where there is so much dysfunction when it comes to intimacy, so why aren't we writing these things and addressing these issues as social commentary through
1: romance? Let, let me know? Let, let me jump in with this. I have been, uh, I have been to, you know, I'm sure as, as you have a number of different Muslim events where um, they have been, you know, where you have men uh, on one side and women on another. Let me let me take that back. Let me take that back that's not the case for me in my home communities. I'll I'll, I'll say it this way, but when I am at events where it's the, the larger community uh, together, there have been instances where that type of separation exists, but even still, there are other times where, um, where I've been out to uh, events and I have seen a brother and then I've seen a sister and had no idea that they were married at all, right? In a public space, right? Because the the body language uh the proximity towards one another you know you know you you just would you just wouldn't know right because the the display of um not even affection but just familiarity is absolutely not there mm. right so i think mm-hmm. that this is important particularly for uh i think all couples right i think would benefit yeah. but but in terms of uh the the Muslim, those muslims who happen to pick it up like you said you didn't write this uh as a muslim uh novel right but for those muslims who read it i would hope that there's a sense of 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 a connection that you want to try to maintain with your uh with your significant other you know with your husband with your wife and that's one of the things that i noticed there was a constant kind of a longing between the two of them, between Simon and Regina, you know, wanting yeah. to be next to each other, wanting to oh. be around each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. Simon I think that's was struck so important.
2: from the beginning.
1: Yeah, he Simon was, was struck yeah.
2: from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's a player. So it's just like, that was one of the things, like, you know, um, <laughs> and he, he was he's a player. He's very honest. Now, that's one. But if you notice about Simon in particular, you'll see this about all the men in the Brothers-in-Law series. Because remember, uh, My way to you is book one right. in a series. And so one of the things that you will notice about all the men in the series is the importance of the women in their lives. Okay. And how they treat, they 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 definitely have in the forefront of their mind how to treat the women in their lives. And so you see that with Simon. He's a single man. He keeps things casual, with women, but he's very honest with them. But if you look at the women in his life, like his assistant, Karela,
3: Right.
2: how he treats her, how he treats his mother, how he treats Regina, okay, even after he screws up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> how how he, he talks with Tony, Marcus's sister. Mm-hmm. And so you see that they value the women that are in their lives. And the women pick up on that. And Simon is one of, the, one of those kind of guys that women do things for. Mm-hmm. Just inherently do things for. Not because he forces is on, on them or anything like that, but they sense his respect for them. And they, it automatically wants them to help him and to do things for him. So you'll see little things. Like his assistant, Corella, when she's talking to uh, Regina, and Simon, at the cocktail party, he spills a little bit of his drink, and she automatically starts to, like, dab away at it. Yeah. So, like, little things like that that he, because of his valuing them and letting them know that he values them, that they kind of want to do for him. And you see that throughout the series. I mean, Marcus, as gruff as he is, as rough as he is, mm. as bearish as he is, <laughs> what happens when he's alone with Tony? Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, all of that's gone. Yeah, he, 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 does, he
1: does what we do. You know, he he softened up a little. Yeah,
2: he softens up because that's his... T- You'll see that in book two because their story is actually the next book. Okay. Is Marcus and Tony. And so you see that in book... You get introduced to it in book one because you can hear in his conversations with her and when he's talking to her. And even when he's real mad at Simon, mm-hmm. okay, and he's ready to go at Simon at some time... What is it? All Tony has to do is talk to him. And he's like, okay, I'm going to calm down (laughs) a little bit. (laughs) I'm going to calm down. I'm still there, but uh, (laughs) calm down a little bit because that becomes very, very important. And and even with the Muslim men, Mm -hmm. I especially did this because um, to show the value that they have for the women in their lives. So in book three, which is Adam and Miriam. Okay, which you're introduced to all the brothers in the short story, brothers-in-law.
3: Right.
2: And so Adam is a a, a Muslim convert, and he falls in love with Miriam. And so how he treats her, how important. He does certain things that it's just like, okay, like he's really into this woman, and he's not going to let anybody mess with her. He's not going to let anybody mess with her, including himself. He's not going to let his ego get to a certain point where it causes her harm. It it becomes that important to him. And I think you can see that on the exterior when people are out in public as well. You can see a lot of times when a woman feels valued by her partner. Mm. You can tell when a woman feels valued by her partner. And by the way, they engage with each other, you know, and it can be different ways that they engage with each other. Like my husband and I, we always bicker. Like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a big smile on his face and I got a big smile on his face. Like, listen, <laughs> it's like that. And everyone's just like, oh God, these two.
3: Yeah.
2: There right. <laughs> it goes. There goes a teacher Layla. But, you know, it's because I feel valued when I'm home and I'm with my husband, I feel valued. And, and, and so when we interact with each other, that, that value, that familiarity, and I value him as well, you kind of see that. You can't, like, shake that off completely and totally. Right. And I also think that, you know, um, even if there is a tendency to really kind of staunchly be like, I don't want to have physical contact with my partner.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: There are some Muslims that feel that way. There's some people that feel that way in so, an outside setting. hmm you still don't escape that familiarity, so I, I I know exactly what you mean. But the men don't, and the in the leading men in this in the series definitely value oh, yeah. the women. They're definitely
1: far away from that. Definitely far away from that. And and there's something else. I think one of the big lessons um, that's that's present in the book for for men. You know, I, I like to say that this is universal. It, it applies to us all. Um, but because simon was the uh was the vessel that the lesson came through was that for uh, for men to be mindful of your own emotional well-being right and to repress um to repress is not to uh reconcile right because at some point you gotta you gotta deal with whatever the issues are that uh that you know deal whatever hurt that has inflicted you you have to heal and if you don't heal at a certain point uh, your your past is going to encroach on your present and you know uh, I don't have to give the the, 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 the context or the scene away for it but uh, that was something that was really um, th- that was a point that was well made uh, you know in the book in the story is just just this idea of not being over what has you know what is what has happened you know just because it's in the past you know it happened a while ago doesn't mean that you've you've resolved you've gotten over it so that's uh, that i think that's it. that's a great lesson really important lesson for readers to take away you know being aware of their own emotional well-being uh and if you broke get yourself you know get yourself right you know because you can't move forward
2: okay
1: okay so yeah that that's just a really important uh lesson for for readers you know for my brothers uh, is to really, is to gauge your own emotional well-being. And mm-hmm. if, you can't, if you can't resolve things on your own, I think this is a point that we've come to now where there is no, you know, it doesn't diminish your manhood uh, or your strength to seek help, right? And sometimes help is just yeah. be having an honest conversation with somebody where you can just, you know, be able to talk about what has affected you. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes it really is actually getting uh, sitting down with uh, uh, a mental health professional but uh, yeah just to be just to be mindful of that
2: mm-hmm. well you know the thing is it's so ironic because uh, someone uh, once said that Simon had a lot of toxic masculinity and I just kept thinking well we need to really look up that word mm-hmm. <laughs> he's there's a character he's like very far removed from that kind of behavior of of, of violence. towards uh women uh uh, uh, after uh the interaction with them Mm -hmm. and so like even when he has to deal with things like rejection without with feeling helpless that uh there are certain ways that he can't he can't do anything to stop the pain that the woman that he loves is going through he really does let his emotions do what they need to he really does feel the way that he needs to feel and not try to bottle up and trap it inside. Right. And he even really wants to, when, when, when he and Marcus are at a crossroads, he really wants to, uh, resolve that thing. And, uh, Marcus, I don't think he bottled it up inside. He really just was like, I'm not ready, so that takes a lot of to be very <laughs> yeah. emotionally intuitive, like I'm not ready for this right now. you I gotta you know, I need some space. Yeah. <laughs> I need some space, so you know it's like it's very, very important to have to have to tap into your emotions and unfortunately, a lot of men are taught not to do that. Mm-hmm. From the time that they're boys, so it's like kind of like suck it up, don't cry, boys don't cry, men don't cry, and that type of thing where it's just like you kind of bottle that that vulnerability mm-hmm. off as opposed to learning how to recognize it and appreciate it and actually getting power from it, from mm-hmm. knowing when you can't handle things, from knowing how to handle rejection, in in a positive and progressive way because it's a hard rejection is hard so if you are you're not you're not told how to cope with it, then what do you do? Right. And so that's that's I tried to kind of show that with all the brothers and I actually it, it, it's gonna sound very corny but I'm gonna get corny I don't care <laughs> right. uh, with these men, I really did look in and think about and reflect on uh the prophet's life. All mm. our uh, and how he was as a son, and as a as a with, with his uncle because his uncle was his, basically his father because his father died. Right. How he was as a husband, how he was as a lover, how he was as someone out in the community, how he transitioned between those things, what he did when his women were mad at him, yeah, <laughs> okay. and when his when, what he did when his women were acting out. You know, and so I really kind of like, you know, they don't all, they don't act exactly like the prophet, but there are some characteristics that each one of them has. Simon is very, very adept. He's the cool, he's the uh, the one that kind of keeps things at a level where it doesn't get too bad. Mm-hmm. He doesn't allow stuff to get to him as much. Yeah. Okay. And so what happens when the woman he loves is going through that stuff is very, very interesting. You know, Marcus is the alpha, alpha. He's the leader. He expects things to happen the way that he needs for it to happen because he's progressing the nation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. and he wants to keep the women in yeah. You know, he wants to keep the women in his life safe. Uh, Adam, he's that inner reflection. You know, he's going through his conversion process, and he's looking at what hap- He's looking at the woman that he loves and the people around them and what they're experiencing that he doesn't experience. As a white male, okay, and what can he do in that process in a respectful way that doesn't in any way uh, degrade who, their humanity? You know, so they all have roles to play, and the prophet's process, process life uh, definitely is something that was I, was influenced an influence on me when I constructed these with, when I constructed these uh, male characters.
1: Now you, you said so, that was corny, but. I don't think that was corny at all. Uh, so, <laughs> I think I think that's good. Well, great.
2: I keep telling people, I keep telling people that a lot of times that's why you know you have Muslim fiction, capital M. Mm-hmm. But there's two there's two layers to Muslim fiction. There's Muslim fiction was like okay, the work is centering Muslim characters, mm-hmm. okay. But then you have Muslim fiction fiction that's written by Muslims, and a lot of times that their 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 faith, their faith identity, their deem influences what they write and i mean uh uh, i really there's quite a few examples of that where it's not necessarily you're going to write about muslims per se but Mm -hmm. it's still influential in your life and uh and so one one author that does it quite a bit is um sahar abdulaziz yes so it's like you know she writes a lot of social commentary uh, around uh uh, sexual abuse, domestic violence, and everything like that. Sometimes the characters are Muslim. Sometimes they're not Muslim. Right. You know? Uh, but it's her, that's part. The, her faith definitely drives her life's work as an advocate and so that she writes about it. I mean, sometimes you cannot put a square peg in a round hole. Sometimes the characters, for me, they say, I'm a Muslim and this is what I am. And sometimes they say, I'm not a Muslim. Simon and Regina weren't Muslim. I couldn't right. make them. <laughs> I couldn't make them work what they weren't, you know, and even like levels of Muslim because I just I did not expect to have a South to to center a South Asian male as a character. I really, really, really? did. It, you know, mm. but Faisal was like, No, this is what I am. I'm Pashtun, I'm this, I'm that yeah. This is what I am, and this is what I want to do, and this is this is how I'm going to, I don't want to give. well, this is how I'm going to have these two women in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, this is how I'm going to, and this is how I'm going to do it. So it's just like, but she's just like, you know, I'm Muslim, and that's what I am. So it's like, I, I, Brandon wasn't supposed to be Muslim, the uh, fourth brother. Yeah. He wasn't supposed to be Muslim. And I fought with that character in my head, for a good two, three months.
1: Now, that's from the brother brothers-in-law um, yes. follow-up.
2: Series. Okay, yes. so that's a series. Then. Each brother gets their book, Faisal gets two. Each okay. brother gets their own book, but Faisal gets two. And they met in law school. So it's three Muslim men mm-hmm. and three non-Muslim men. Three, let me make sure I got this right. Oh, my God. Marcus, Brandon... Who am I forgetting in my head? It's two African American males, two Asian men. No, Whoa. three Asian men. That's why I knew it was three or someone. Three or one. Three Asian American men, two African American men, and one uh, uh, European American man.
3: Okay. And
2: so they kind of de- decided who they were and what they were going to be at at different points as uh, as I was writing out, thinking out, constructing the outline for the series. And so it's like. You have to respect that as an author.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You have to respect that. If the character, if you don't want to write Muslim characters, and in your head this character is just telling you that they're not Muslim, then find another character, put that character to the side, and find another character, now, you know, um, like that. That's, so, what I, that's what I would suggest.
1: So in terms of process, because I, I think we're kind of segueing a little bit uh, into this, um, how long did it take for you to write this? Uh, write this book.
2: A year. It took me a year to write it, only because I kept getting interrupted. So, like even now with the <laughs> second one, it took me a year to write it, and I just kept. You know, my life is very, very hectic. Yeah. I do a lot of writing because my work with NBA Muslims
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, is really about amplification of American, uh Native-born American authorship and creativity. Mm-hmm. I also contribute to multiple publications uh, about Islam.net, Hoj Hijab. I also uh, started contributing to. I have to do content for NBA Muslims as well. Mm-hmm. I'm an instructor, so there's a lot of grading and all that stuff involved. I homeschool my kids. And then different things happen that kind of you. I have to, as an, as an author, kind of prioritize where i want to be in in a work and what is needed of me outside of it so like this month we have the black muslim authors Mm -hmm. event at nyu so eh, mm -hmm.
1: so so tell us about tell us about that because i was also going to ask about um uh, a bit about the black muslim reads but before you answer that after listing everything that you are doing uh (laughs) the fact that you got this done in a year is like wow right you know alhamdulillah that's that's that, that's pretty that's it took pretty a year to
2: finish. it took a year to finish and like another year to edit get all the edits and stuff done which i learned uh a lot of lessons <laughs> 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 and, and that, that's kind of helped me in this process and i also write short stories yeah. so i write short stories for my publication for my author's blog but i also write short stories for uh uh uh, indiepub okay uh, a bw books and so i've written quite a few short stories it was a it's been a marvelous experience and i'm also co-editing a book on Muslim uh, writers so it's like it's a lot yeah <laughs> so sometimes it takes a little bit because i'm at the keyboard a lot' <laughs>
1: <laughs> obviously obviously like you, you can't walk away from the keyboard now tell us about the black muslim not black muslim reason but tell us about the event that you've got coming up um the authors Oh, this
2: is a, this is a fabulous event black muslim authors yeah. uh this uh wonderful author Umjewariya, who we did her book tried and tested yep sure did Maybe we did talk about her book okay so she approached me and she wanted to do an event in the northeast that said to black muslim authors uh, during Black History Month. And so I said, okay, great. So then I started to kind of to look for a venue. And the Islamic Center of New York University, ICNYU, graciously said they would host the event, which was wonderful. And so we got our venue, and, and now we're organizing everything. We've got co sponsors uh, Hot Hijab, uh, 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 Muslim Anti Racism Collaborative, because they think that narrative building. Uh, by people of color, blacks and people of color, Muslims is so important. Mm -hmm. We have to drive our narratives. We have to create stuff out there that is uh, a counter narrative to a lot of stereotypes and everything like that. And speak to each other. We have to create things that speak to us. It's from us to us. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so they've been very, very supportive as well. We have Muslim Girls Read and Indian Muslims, of course. And so it's a day of... There will be a roundtable discussion about black Muslim authorship and the tradition of storytelling, because African-American Muslim authors in particular are direct, uh, directly uh, benefactors of the African-American literary tradition. Mm-hmm. It's a rich literary tradition, hundreds of years old, and it's progressed and developed into all types of things. And so, African American Muslims are kind of—we're in, in that; we're, we're placed in that, and we're producing works as pro, as products of the uh, Black uh, African American literary tradition and storytelling. And so, they're going to be, there's going to be a roundtable discussion about that. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be Um-Jawariah, uh Sakina Rashid from Muslim Writers and Publishers Association, uh, Halima Dia from Not Without My Hijab. You know that wonderful motivational speaker who has the tour, mm-hmm. uh, 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 the play tour. And I get to moderate these wonderful women. So I'm so honored
1: That's <laughs> awesome. to
2: be able to do that. There's going to be a book fair. There's going to be author readings. We, uh, we have authors sending in clips who can't make it. And so I'm really looking forward to this event. It's on February 23rd at NYU at the Islamic uh, Center of New York University, right across the street from Washington Square Park
1: awesome awesome now there there are folks on social media this is a great time especially this being black history month uh to you know to acquaint yourself with black muslim authors and the hashtag that's going on right now is what black muslim reads right
2: black muslim reads yes this is the second year we're doing it last year we did it It was really really great and that's actually how we kind of got together. You remember? Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. <laughs> the Black Muslim Reef. and uh, started doing our our uh, our conversations through Black Muslim. Reef. Yep. It was a very very Ham wonderful la. initiative <laughs> campaign, and so now we're doing it again. And we have su- uh, support from a lot of the uh, pub organizations as as last year a Muslim Anti Racism Collaborative, uh, 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 Cube Publishing radio Islam. slam uh uh i'm gonna draw a blank i always draw a like i'm always terrible at this part i need to write a list <laughs> <laughs> i need i need to really kind of start to write where i list muslim writers and publishers association mm. and uh i'm drawing a blank everyone please forgive me there's a whole list you can see it and so this year we're really centering we're, black, we're, re- black, black Muslim authors Black Blue club See, I told you I'm going to talk about Black Blue podcast as well. And so we're really having the opposite. Last year, what the hashtag did was it actually created, we were able to create some real networking between Black Muslim authorship here in the United States and in the U.K. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so we're reinfor- We're trying to reinforce that and kind of show the the – the importance of Black Muslim authorship and how it's progressed over the year, and uh, what it does, and 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 how it can be unique, and and also trying to get Black uh, this year, I wanted to really focus on trying to get more Black Muslim authors uh, who don't necessarily write about Muslim characters to really claim their stake and and hold their own in this in this in this that in this base of readership as as black Muslim authors. There's quite a few out there mm-hmm. who kind of like, and, and I found that that was one of the disturbing things that I saw last year. That's the reason why I'm doing it this year. There is this tendency to mute the voices of Muslim authors that don't directly write about Muslims as if they don't have as much credibility if they don't directly write about Muslims. Right that like they're less of a Muslim author if they don't write about Muslims. And I've had back and forth conversations and and debates about this over and over and over again. And so we tend to kinda of highlight Muslim authors who whose characters are directly Muslim, which should be done mm-hmm. because that is that is important narrative building as well. But remember we're we're also members of a majority uh non Muslim society and we're interacting with non-muslims all the time sure. and so it's like, and we there are family members some of us grew up non-muslim i wasn't born muslim mm-hmm. and interestingly enough even though my father was a muslim long story mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like because i because in this book i have decided to write about uh non-muslim characters that doesn't make me any less of a muslim author and so i i want to, I want to encourage a black Muslim office to own that and to come to come to spaces like the Black Muslim Office event and bring your stuff and share your stuff and I think that's one of the reasons why um one of the the, the positive things in, about the writing that I do mm-hmm. is that you know I cover as I cover as a Muslim woman. That's what you see when you see my picture as an author, and it's like, and yeah, look at my book cover, and look at the content of what what it is I'm reading. That doesn't make me interested, uh, a Muslim author or a black Muslim author. And I, I refuse to let anybody tell me otherwise, mm. okay? And the thing, the thing that I've learned is that uh, non-Muslim authors and non-Muslim publications are much more welcoming to that than muslim authors and publications have been i kind of anticipated it and i'm fine with it mm-hmm. but it's like i don't want the spaces that nba muslims create to be like that i don't want it to be like this finite closed off space based on uh, a, a few people's sensibilities right limited you
1: know? ex- yeah there's it, it, the expectation of uh, a limited um uh, expression uh, you got to walk yeah. between you know very narrow boundaries so, yeah, that is tremendously important. Now...
2: Well, yeah, I find it... I just want to say one... Like, yeah, go ...real ahead. quickly. I find it interesting mm-hmm. because I've been asked the question about the content, especially the central content that I have in my book. Mm-hmm. And I find it interesting because I read so many, so much Muslim fiction across a breath. Mm-hmm. And nobody says boo to authors that write about murder, mm-hmm. magic, mm-hmm. Uh, death and destruction... Or any of that. No one says boo to them. I'm talking about inside of the culture. Maybe somewhere else, people are more sensitized, and so no one says boo to them like that about that content. But this, you know, I, I say I say that I say this. Mm. It's okay for a character to pull out a gun, but not a condom.
3: Mm. You
2: know, it's just like the, the duplicity of just the selective. The selective uh, uh, sanctimony when it comes to content is not something that I'm about. I never was about it and I never was for it. And, you know, I know Muslim authors, romance authors, who are kind of like, oh, I got a romance and I've read their stuff and I'm like, whoa, okay, (laughs) all right, I would have gone that far, but hey, it's you, do you. You know, and it's just like, okay, that's that's what that author wrote. And I'll still promote that author stuff. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't go that way as an author, but this is not my work. This is that person's work. And so, yeah, I'll promote that as well. So I don't like that selective sanctimony, and I don't want anything that NBA Muslims is involved in Mm -hmm. to uh, be a space where that that occurs, you know. And that's one way that Umjawari is great, too, because she was one of the ones who was like, you know, we'll, we'll 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 talk about your book. We'll have your book too. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, you, you read my book? She's so like, yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. So, <laughs> like, like that. So I think that that's really really great. And it's just like, the more we do that, the more we have the ability to kind of like create a platform.
1: But for it. that that also speaks to the self-imposed. Uh, boundaries that we that we placed on ourselves not just the public expectations the pressures Uh that that come with saying i'm a muslim um Uh but the expectations that somehow uh we become and this has nothing to do with um uh i think this has everything to do with not really being secure in one's own identity uh and Uh and trying to take on you know this kind of a a holier than thou type of uh, persona yeah. in public, right? In public. Now in, in our everyday lives, when, you know, people are not, uh, especially for those in the public, uh, public eye, when, when they're not in the public eye, when they're just around, you know, the people that they're familiar with, they, they may be completely different uh, individuals. So there's a, there's a level of authenticity mm-hmm. that I think mm-hmm. that uh, the, the, the the book um, that, that it represents uh, the way that um, you know intimacy uh, you know is engaged in uh, the, the the way that uh, the big you know big brother is trying to be a protector. Uh, and then also yeah. just looking into um, an, an interracial um, interracial relationship. Uh, you know yeah. and the challenges there these are things that just in terms of identity, most people are not going to, you know, they're not going to go into those, uh, uh, you know, into those types of um, uh, spaces, or, or at least conversationally, right? And I, and we may be coming to a mm-hmm. point where there there is less there is less apprehension uh, to have the conversations, but um, but but still, uh, I think the end result. I
2: think it depends. I think I think it depends. I think that still you still have to kind of look at, when you're talking about interracial relationships, mm-hmm. uh, it's very, very nuanced. Because is, the when you're talking about the couple, the races of the couple yeah. is very, very important. Yeah. And the social placement of couples are very, very important. Mm-hmm. You know, is there an opportunity, sometimes in interracial couples, when you're talking about one white person and a non-white person, is there a potential to insulate that person of color in whiteness mm-hmm. so that they don't have to deal with it too much? You yeah. know, they'll still have to deal with it. or Your children don't have to deal with it too much, and you can kind of uh, uh, turn a blind eye to those microaggressions that do face. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and there's a little bit of a spoiler alert, but that, that, that's okay. Tony. Tony Tony Kent, Marcus's wife, mm-hmm. is biracial. She's brown, but she's biracial. Her oh, father is uh, yeah. The, okay. Her father's an upper middle class white man. Mm-hmm. Okay, and her mother's black, and her and her mother is insulated. They live in Westport, Connecticut, mm-hmm. and so she's very. She, the, Tony was very much brought up in an insulated white environment, and and subjected to. Uh, casual racism all of her life. When she came out of that environment, okay, she ran smack into Marcus. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: <Sure>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a whole other story about her blackness, uh, about her embracing her blackness. But it's like her mother? Oh, God, total snob. Total snob. Total I don't like to I don't I don't she don't like the fact that she, her daughter married a brown man. Mm-hmm. She don't like any of that stuff. So it depends on what it is the the dynamics of the couple and the placement of the couple. Well no. And so I think that it's happens.
1: I think it's as much about um the the identity having having a sense of security yeah. in one's own identity. And I think that starts from a very you know, you know, we like to throw around the term uma you know, you know, we, mm-hmm. you know, Muslims, you know, we talk about the 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 the, the larger uh, community um, and, you know, there's unity through diversity. But the reality is that's not always the case because we still are pushing up against um, a global society that has been very mm-hmm. much, you know, um, separated and aligned off of skin color. So, yeah. So your human identity, being 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 comfortable and secure in your own human identity is, is you know, I think that's kind of a prerequisite to being able to even go into uh, a relationship that goes beyond the uh, co- uh, constrictions that are placed on you in, you know, society as we know it. And uh, also, I agree with you and I like uh, the fact that you articulated that some people will look at the interracial relationship or marriage or whatever as the solution mm-hmm. when really mm-hmm. you just, you know, you know, you're looking at a, you're looking some at a different set of, um, of challenges, right? I think that might be a bit naive so, for yeah. people to think, uh, in those yeah. terms, but but well, some
2: people, mm-hmm. some people in interracial relationships delude yeah. themselves into thinking that being in that relationship somehow makes them less racist if mm, they are yeah, racist yeah yeah so it definitely can't be a solution societally because it doesn't even present a solution intimately
3: right
2: okay so here you are. you can you can be uh, a person of one race involved with a person of another race and still not like that race oh yeah and still, exceptionalism uh, <laughs> exactly. So it's just like, and, you know, uh, if you're someone who's at a certain level of privilege, that doesn't necessarily completely insulate the other person. And if you turn a blind eye to that, that could cause even more damage. Mm. Okay. So you're bringing per- someone into the sphere, you're bringing your loved one into the sphere, and uh, they're subject to even more bias. More discrimination, more microaggressions, and you just want to act like, well, the problem is them right. and not necessarily the, the environment that you brought them into.
3: Right, right.
2: <laughs> okay. So, and that happens in the book because remember what happens at the cocktail party? Simon it feels terrible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm getting my woman up out of here. <laughs> yeah.
1: right,
2: that's a wrap. <laughs> Wrap her up and let's go. Yeah you
1: know? <laughs> Well you know what that is so much of the uh, like I said, there's so much uh social commentary. There's so much uh to yeah. think about and so many conversations that I that I know are taking place for those who've read it and I certainly recommend um uh, I think married couples need to read it. I think it's uh you know, I think it's one of those reads you really will enjoy uh having conversations around and can you let folks know where to find you on social media so they can keep up with you, they can uh, learn more about the, the new books that you're going to be releasing?
2: Well, I do have an author's blog, LaylaWritesLove.com, and you can keep up to date with uh, everything that I'm doing, my the books that I have. I do uh, blog regularly. I also have a short story subscription on that blog as well, so check it out. Everything that you want to know about me, all you have to do is look for Layla Writes Love. So on Facebook, on Instagram, on Pinterest, on um, Twitter, just look for Layla Writes Love. Okay, that's my handle for everything. And I interact with authors and readers at various levels. Uh, Please remember to check out hashtag Black Muslim Reads to find out more about all these great authors, Black Muslim authors. And also, if you can, Join the Black Muslim Authors event at the Islamic Center of New York University. There will be discussions. There will be author readings. If you're an author, you don't have to be a Black Muslim author to submit for a reading. There will be all kinds of vendors and everything like that, so that will be great as well. And I really, really do look forward to talking to readers and talking to other authors
1: okay awesome it is always a pleasure talking to you and i'm looking forward to our next discussion because we really could keep it going for like another hour easily so uh yeah, yeah i'm looking forward to our next one and let me know yeah, yeah I, I, you haven't given me a recommendation in a while so i'll be looking. i said for...
2: habiba kande no nah, no nah, nah. i said habiba
1: yes, kande <laughs> as soon as i said that <laughs> habiba
2: kande that book uh, uh Okay. Okay, and you need to have you need to have two sessions about you need to have two sessions actually three. You mm-hmm. need to have me, mm-hmm. of course. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you, if you can grab the author, snatch him up. Okay. okay. <laughs> and the village auntie. Okay, Angelica Lindsay Ali, fabulous uh, uh, African American Muslim woman who is a sexual sensual health uh, educator and promoter and just fascinating and she's into that she likes that book as well and to talk to her about that book and other stuff you got to do it so it's got to be a trifecta that, okay. and, and, and and next month mm-hmm. let's do it next month march because that's women's uh history month all right perfect
1: all right let's let's lock it in so we are <laughs> so, we, we already know what you're doing <laughs>
2: exactly locked. there you go <laughs> so, uh, all
1: right so like up. We thank you for joining us for this episode of the Black Blue Podcast. Remember to follow us on social media. You'll find us on Twitter at BLKGluePodcast. That's Podcast. On Instagram at the Black Blue Podcast. And you can email us at the Black Podcast at gmail.com. If there are any particular uh, topics or guests that you'd like for us to talk to, we're going to sign off with Chicago's own J. Serious Black Muslim American.
0: First off, all praises are lost, saved them. The black man and African from enslavement. So I love this thing, can never deface it. Cause some of y'all that follow us, hella racist. Face it, we was taught to hate black. So the lighter you is, the more you attract. I'm finna pull coats here and choke fear. When the smoke clear, we still black. So hold oh dear, Why my skin, breathe them grief. All we want is a who instead of beef Poor folks, so broke, but more jokes. Yeah, we worn out. Some of us drinking and snort dope. 400 plus, plus poverty break the man's spirit. But how you ridicule the drunk that you hand spirits? My skin color with thin brothers that dim others. Cause they write and they light is something they can't muster. Copper with some gas or a little swisher. Behind the glass, cream and I beat instead of mister. And some shit. Now we the ones that built this big town. Let you eat in I Hood, we getting kicked down. Why? Cause my swag ain't Middle Eastern. Or cause our hair is rough and we ain't eating. Become your brother in faith and still a part distant. Marry us, but your daughters to us are off limits. Admit it. You look down on us. Shake our hands with a smile then go and clown on us so let's talk about a profit was just a cash thing you ain't mean giving honor to all these black kings we at the table now we'll have to accept it see more blacks on the sooner so respect it so all my niggas we niggas, so don't forget it Allah is perfect to this man so, so please that's the tell me what it food. is my skin color is in my culture got you acting like fuck just please tell me what it is am i not human am i not you what's with that so please tell me what it is, my skin color, is in my culture, got you acting like fuck? just please tell me what it is, am I not human, am I not you, what's with the hate you consumed it, and them blue jackets are too savage, pull us over, we too black in that new caddy, <laughs> for every nigger, And a slew of cover-ups for every trigger Sick They pull them back without charge And make the laws that put us blacks behind bars And tell our women these niggas they need jobs Keep her employed but deliver him to the side They all hate us Deem that we the lawbreakers It's comfortable to live when you the only lawmaker And when you pale and do wrong Look how the laws shake Three months in until out dudes to hold us out new, with no hope to grow and out do they sew so in not cool. our lifestyle they can't afford it that's why we move the nice cars and rock jordans that's why we rock we the stances and pop courts man gucci'd up and louie down to feel important color blind, it's invisible segregation It's color lines drawn on written education and you ain't never gonna make it Cause you're racing against racists, some mass racists. Some decide to be Oreos just to strive. Writing up they swag so they can thrive. Come on. Oh, uh, uh, yeah.